um, uh, I'm glad. We're, listen, if you're ever going to do something, make sure you're serving the Lord. Uh, I don't care what you do as long as you are serving Christ and not your own flesh. Let's go to the book of Nehemiah because I want to talk to you about a very controversial subject. And by the way, the Bible is controversial. Uh, if you haven't figured that out, I don't know, I don't know where you've been. But uh, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, there before Psalms, a little, uh, small book named Nehemiah. We've been going through Nehemiah this year. And I want you to go to Nehemiah chapter 1. I want to talk about God's beloved. Give you some background on Israel and why you learn about them. This whole month I'm going to try and help you understand Israel. Now, we're not supposed to uh, become Jews. We're not supposed to uh, become like Israel. We're supposed to be like Christ. I'm a Christian, all right? And every Jew who's ever lived, uh, and anybody who's a Jew now, needs to not, no longer be a Jew, but to become uh, a Christ follower, become a Christian. But that doesn't mean that Jews are out of God's plan. Even though they're lost, even though they're without Christ, even though they have, um, uh, they have missed Jesus Christ, does not mean that they are not part of God's beloved. And I'm going to say uh, uh, here, as we start, Nehemiah chapter 1. I want to ask two questions. Number one, what's the big deal about some guy named Nehemiah? Here, as we looked at Nehemiah, why did he go back to a ruined city named Jerusalem and spend much of uh, the rest of his life rebuilding it and trying to, to make that city the city of God again. Uh, second question, why waste our time studying such a nation as Israel that has consistently abandoned God, consistently trashed their heritage, and consistently brought God's judgment on themselves? Why study a nation like that? Well, let's look at Nehemiah and let's listen to him as he prays in verse 6. Nehemiah chapter 1 and verse 6. I'll start in verse 5. And, and Nehemiah said, I beseech thee, O Lord God of heaven, the great and the terrible God, we'd say the terrifying God, that keepeth covenant and mercy for them that love him and observe his commandments. Let thine ear now be attentive and thine eyes open, that thou mayest hear the prayer of thy servant, speaking of himself, which I pray before thee now day and night, for who? Who's he praying for? For the children of Israel, thy servants. Okay, not thine enemies, even though they live like it. And confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against thee. Both I and my father's house have sinned. Jump down to verse 10 now. Now, Nehemiah is going to remind God of, of, of two great thoughts. Number, verse 10. Now these, number one, are thy servants. Secondly, and they are who? They are thy people, whom thou hast, and the word is miraculously, he has redeemed them, saved them by thy great power and thy strong hand. Did you notice that Israel and his people are the people of God? They are, now these, that's a key phrase in Scripture. It does not say they were. Nowhere in the Bible does it say God is all through with the Jews. Don't you read that? Most books that are written about church history start off with the idea that God is all through with the Jews, and that is blasphemy. God is not all through with the Jews. Uh, if God can turn away from the Jews, He can turn away from you. Uh, secondly, they are not just some obscure, small group of forgotten people in ancient history, like the Hittites. Do you ever hear of them anymore? How about the Amorites, or the Canaanites, or the Girgashites, or the Flashlights? They're all in history and they're dust. They don't exist anymore. No, these are Israelites. They are distinct. They are a distinct people group. They still exist. Uh, even though all other nations of history have gone. And above all other nations, they are the elect of God. Go to Romans chapter 11, our memory verse this month, Romans chapter 11. So stay with me. I want to teach you this morning. If I can't teach you, then you're unteachable. I'm not always right, but I will always try to give you what the Bible says. And I've got no grind to axe, act, no grind to axe, no axe to grind with anybody. If I can just show you from the Bible your relationship to the Jew, and don't you dare think you're superior. Uh, you are dust, and they're dust. The only difference is God chose some dust over you, <laughs> not because he, he thinks they're superior. This is not a superior, this is not a racism issue. This is because he wanted to have one people he could show to all people how he deals with everybody. So let's look at uh, uh, Romans chapter 11, verse 28. 
As concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sakes. They, they're not our enemies, meaning we don't, we don't go out to try to kill them, but we're their enemies. And the gospel has made it so that to the Jew, they hate Christians generally. But as touching the election, concerning the election, they are still the what? They're still beloved for the Father's sakes. Now, when it says the Father's, there's a little f, which means because of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, because of promises God made to them. So the truth is they're the elect of God and they are the beloved of God. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 7. Deuteronomy chapter 7. Uh, chapter 6, verse 7. No, it's 7, 6, the opposite. Deuteronomy 7 and verse 6. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Fifth book in your Old Testament, chapter 7 and verse 6. Deuteronomy 7 and verse 6. For thou, this is speaking to the Jews, thou art a holy people unto the Lord thy God. The Lord thy God hath, here's your election, hath chosen to be thee to be a special people unto him, self, above all people that are upon the face of the earth. That's kind of a special thing. If I came along and I said, I choose you, that'd make you feel special, I hope, amen? Well, they are the beloved of God. You better understand this because most people, they, they hear things like this and they go, oh, so the Jews are superior. No, they're just specially chosen. And we're going to learn about election this morning and going to help you Break away all of the stupid things you hear on the YouTube. And start to get you back into the Bible, because I hope you're a Bible believer and not a YouTube believer. Now, we have a duty. We have a duty to know what God is doing with the Jews. By the way, uh, a, uh, a famous, uh, uh, there's, a, there's a great, uh, uh, what we call a completed Jew, uh, a believer, a believing Jew named Hyman Appleman, back in the 1960s. He preached for nearly 40 years. He's an evangelist. He got saved. He grew up in a, in a very orthodox uh, Jewish home. He got saved. His dad got saved. He went off in uh, preaching. He preached all over America, all over the world. This Jew, and you know what he said back in the 1950s? He said, if you want to know what's going to happen in the world, watch the Jew. You want to know what's going to happen to Germany? Watch how they treat the Jews. You want to know what's going to happen in, in England? Watch how they treat the Jews. Uh, if you want to know what's happening in the world, look at and learn from the Jews. And we have a responsibility to do that, learn from them, and learn how we're to treat them even today. It is still a promise in the Bible, I will bless them that bless the descendants of Abraham. And if you, uh, and I will curse them, God says, that curse, uh, curse those who curse the Jews. Don't you dare get an idea that God is all done with the Jews because you're just teaching that God can be all done with you. Let's go, Lord, in prayer. Father, this is uh, an important message because it's in your word. And the whole point of looking at Nehemiah is not just to see how you rebuild things, which is the main part, but that you rebuild Israel. And that Israel, though, has had ups and downs throughout history like a yo-yo. And such brought such anger and such chastening from God. Lord, you still love them. And you still drew them with everlasting love. Now, we like to claim the, Bible, the verses in the Bible, Lord, that, were, that are in there for the Jews. We like to claim for ourselves. But they started with the Jews, and we need to respect that. We need to learn that and take it in context and go, God, I'm sorry, I've got an arrogant attitude about myself, and I look down on whom you have raised. Jesus was a Jew. This Bible is a Jewish book. Everything that we read about in the Old Testament and most of the New Testament is in relation to the Jews. Thank you, thank you, Lord, for inviting me in. <laughs> thank you that you didn't require me to be a Jew. But Lord, I've got to respect the lessons because in this book, it is the predominant nationality in your plan to teach the world your commitments and your promises and your ways. We want to make up how you deal with us. No, 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 no. If I'm ever going to have a right relationship with you, I better learn from the Jews. Lord, I, I pray that you would convict us in our hearts that God, you know, Christians are arrogant thinking they're pretty good. Well, that's what sinners think, and I don't want to get in that attitude because there are people in this room who've never been born again yet, 
They're counting on their religion. They're counting on their goodness, just like an unsaved Jew. And they will fall off into an eternity in hell unless they be born again. Lord, please let somebody fear you this morning and run to you in faith and believe that Jesus died for them. Save somebody today and correct some wrongs in our hearts and help us to praise you and honor your ways because they are above our ways. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, the Jews are the most hated people of all time. If I can give you some background, uh, and it goes way back. If you know anything uh, about the, the Jewish people, the, that thing uh, is, is one of the most awful, awful histories against a people group in all of history. Uh, the example uh, go, comes from Haman in the book of Esther. He attempted the genocide of over two million people scattered across the empire in that day. And he almost did it. But they, they didn't stop there. I'm not going to go through the litany. I could go through 35 countries and how they have mistreated uh, the Jews. But let me just go to say the Roman Catholic Church for 1900 years of history has held the Jews responsible for killing Jesus. And they came up with a term. They called it deicide. They called it God killers. And through uh, 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 Christian history, the charge of deicide has led to the absolute hatred and intense violence and against, uh, against uh, the Jews and even the murder of millions of Jews, not just a few thousand, throughout Europe and America. So for 1900 years, the Jews were barely tolerated and then were driven from their homes, century after century, driven from one country to another. Now, God promised that. God said in Deuteronomy, he says, you turn from me and I'll make your life miserable. And you know, if you're, one of the ways you know you're God's you're in God's uh, uh, family is because if you turn away from God, God makes your life miserable too. If you can turn away from God and live the way you uh, want and God never catches you, God never puts his hand on you and puts a pressure on you, never tries to bring you back, just lets you go on in sin, let me tell you, you're not God's child. So when God put the pressure on Israel and has driven them from nation to nation to nation, it shows that they are God's people. If he just left them alone, who would care? Now, the Protestants were no better. Um, did you know uh, uh, during, during the Black Death, uh, the, the, big, the big blame was on the Jews going around poisoning the wells. That's what they said. It was the Jews' fault why millions of people were dying all over Europe. Economic collapses were usually blamed on Jewish government officials. If a Jew ever was in a government, as soon as, as a bank would fail, they blamed some Jew instead of the banker. When children would go missing, you ought to read the reports. City after city, if a child ever went missing, they would go through and they would force the Jews to live in ghettos. They would burn the ghetto saying that they stole that child, not ever finding the facts. <clears throat> Do you know why we have innocent until proven guilty? Do you know why it was important and it still is important? And I'm not getting into politics, but let me tell you, do not believe the news media and all these reports about what went on there over in America with that Judge Kavanaugh uh, uh, appointment and confirmation. Let me tell you this. Do not judge anybody without evidence because throughout history, they have judged first Jews and now Christians without any evidence. And the reason why it's in most constitutions in the free world is because they've seen the abuse of people who just... Let's blame somebody. Don't blame. Find, find the evidence. Do you know that in the 1800s, historians began to rewrite Bible history, and they said that the Jews were not freed by God. They were driven out of Egypt because of their nastiness. <laughs> That's the point is, when, 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 when people look at the Jews, they seem to always get messed in their brain. They seem, uh, I don't think God delivered. I think they just were driven out by Egypt because of their nastiness. Do you know, 100 years ago, Europe and even American governments basically wanted nothing to do with the Jews until after World War II. Refugee ships filled with fleeing Jews from World War I and World War II were turned away from almost every port, in both on the eastern coast of the United States and all over Europe, and they drove them, they kept, they kept sailing until they landed down on a tiny patch of desert down in the Middle East that nobody wanted called modern-day Palestine. Even born-again Christians today, and this is a sad thing. Oh, by the way, that man right there is the epitome of, of how people treat the Jews. But let me say, uh, he's not the only one because even modern-day Christians talk just like Hitler did. 
Um, uh, it, just, it just bothers me to no end. If you're a Bible believer, if you believe in a Jewish Messiah, you know, to a lot of Christians, they don't even believe that Jesus was a Jew. They think he was some white supremacist walking around, blonde, blue eyes, walking around looking like an Aryan race, bringing in the perfect kingdom. He was a Jew. He had a big nose. He had dark skin. Uh, you know, it's hard to find really culturally valid pictures of Jesus because everybody wants him to look like them. In Europe, we always want to look him look white. Uh, down in the, uh, some countries, he's black. Over the Philippines, I would guess that I go and the Jesus would look Filipino maybe in some churches. I think that's wrong, amen? He looked like a Jew. A lot of people are bothered with that. One of the most, they are the most hated people group of all time, secondly. They have over 3,500 years of history as a distinct people group. Do you realize the Jews have seen the rise and the fall of the following empires? They were there when Egypt rose to its world dominion power and fell. They've been around when Assyria and Nineveh took over and spread across the then known world. Then Babylon took on. These were massive Western Hemisphere nations that took over the world. And Israel, in the middle of it all, watched them come and go. Followed by Persia, and then by Greece, then by Rome, then by Spain, and then by England. And all empires have come and gone, and yet Israel is still there. Not always in their land, not always as a people group with their own king, with their own power, with their own government. Even in Jesus' time, they didn't have their own government. But they were still Israel. The truth is, Israel, uh, uh, as a nation, has outlasted them all. Go to Genesis chapter 50. Genesis chapter 50. You know, it's just basically a verifiable miracle. One person asks and says, prove that there is a God. You know what you can say? Look at the Jews. Look at Israel. Genesis chapter 50 and verse 24. Genesis 50, 24. Okay. Genesis 50, 24. I have no idea what that was, but I don't think I want to know. Genesis 50, 24. Joseph said unto his brethren, I die. I'm going to die. And God, talking to his brethren, Joseph being one of the 12 tribes, the descendants of Jacob, Joseph said unto his brethren, I die, and God will in the future surely visit you and bring you out of Egypt unto the land which he sware to who? Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. You know, when God swears, do you think he can back down? Now, you and I are not supposed to swear. But you know, when God swears, do you know what? He will not change. And he says, I'm going to take you to a land that's yours, and I will never change that. It's a very miracle that Israel exists, and it's even in its own land again. Third thing, and you think about, I mean, the Tel Aviv and, and Jerusalem, I mean, there is such beauty there. I've never been there. But it is incredible city, country, in different areas. I know Gaza and all that stuff is war-torn and things. But there is, a, they, this people have a country. It's not just nomads. Their language, you know what's amazing? Their language is a miracle because they as a people still base their language upon the language of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, 4,000 years old. I mean, how many of you still love reading and writing Irish? <laughs> I mean, you, you know how, how, how unpopular an old language is. Well, they love it. It's still their language, Hebrew. And the truth is this, Israel's not going away. They've had 3,500 years of history, and they've got eternity still to go. So, let's get down to brass tacks. Who and what is Israel? Now, I know when we think of Israel and you hear in, in the news, you hear about Israel, you normally think of modern Israel, a land that's basically divided um, and long, uh, alongside the, the Mediterranean Sea. And uh, people don't realize that little piece of land, I'll show you the size comparison in a moment, but... That little red spot there is Israel. 
surrounded by all of these Muslim countries. <laughs> it's kind of funny. Kind of funny. The Arabs say, we want that land. What's wrong with all the land they got? But anyway, that's where Israel is. Do you know a lot of modern maps don't even have Israel anymore? There's a concerted effort to kind of just sort of erase them. Let me give you a little size comparison. You put Israel alongside Ireland, that's the size of it. That's kind of cool. All right, just to give you a little bit. So from the bottom, be like driving from Waterford up to uh, Valley, Valley Mina. <laughs> Top to bottom. But Israel is more than just land in the Middle East. They are God's people. Let's look at our Bible, Exodus now, Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3, verse 7. God is trying to get Moses to go down to, uh, back into Egypt. He's kind of away from God. He's backslid. He's mad at God. He's bitter, frustrated. He's old. You know how old he is? How many remember how old Moses is when he's on the backside of the desert and he starts talking to God? How old is he? 80 years old. So, of course, I mean, he's like... Now, we think that it's, it's, he's decrepit, but no, he's not. But anyway, Exodus chapter 3, verse 7, God says, and the, Lord, and the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people, which are in Egypt, and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. Down to verse 10. Come now, therefore, Moses, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth. What does he say again? I want you to bring my people the children of Israel out of Egypt. Go to chapter 5 and verse 1. Well, listen, Moses picked up on that. He didn't say, Pharaoh, you better let these people go. No, listen to how he talks to Pharaoh. Exodus chapter 5 and verse 1. And afterward, Moses and Aaron went in to confront Pharaoh, and they told Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel. What are those four words? Let my people go that they may hold a feast unto me in the wilderness. Go to Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2. And quoting, these are the scribes, quoting from Micah about the birth of Christ, Matthew chapter 2, verse 6. Thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among all the princes of Judah. For out of thee shall come a governor, speaking of Jesus, that shall rule, and this is God's words, Jesus is going to rule my people who? Now, how many of you are Jewish here? Let me see your hand. Not a one of you. But let me ask you this. Is Jesus Lord of your life? Does, I hear you, man. Is Jesus the ruler of your life now? Listen, the way you get saved, if any man uh, confess with his mouth, the Lord Jesus. But in his birth and in his life and in his death, it was so that he would rule Israel, his people. Now, these are God's people that God made many promises to. One of them is to land. I already read that thing. Let me, um, uh, let me take you back to Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12 and verse 7. Genesis 12, 7. And the Lord appeared unto Abram and said, Unto thy seed, unto your children, your descendants, will I give this what? I'll give this land. And there builded he an altar unto the Lord who appeared unto him. Chapter 13 now, verse 5. Oh, 15, sorry. 13, 15. For all the land which thou seest, to thee will I give it, and to thy seed for how long? All right. Now, God could do that because the land belongs to him. As a matter of fact, the land really doesn't belong to Israel. But let me be something real clear with you. It doesn't belong to the Catholic Church either. It doesn't belong to the Mormons. doesn't belong to anybody. It belongs to God and to whomever he gives. And by the way, he gave it to Israel. Amen. It's, that's why it's called the promised land. Hello? He also made a promise that they would expand until they could not be numbered anymore. Look at verse 16, 13, 16. 
I'll make thy seed as the dust of the earth, so that if a man can number the dust of the earth, then shall thy seed also be numbered. That's a lot of expansion. That's a lot of kids. Hmm? Somebody once said, every 20 seconds, there's a child born in America. Somebody said, oh no, there's a child born to a woman in America. Somebody said, get that woman. <laughs> Stop her. <laughs> That's a lot of kids. Some of you don't understand deep jokes. But anyway, the idea is there are a lot of kids who are going to be born, and there are going to be so many to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that you can't number them. God made a promise about that. 15, chapter 15 here in Genesis, chapter 15 and verse 5. And he brought him forth abroad, brought Abraham out, and he said, Look now toward heaven, and why don't you tell me the stars? Count up all the stars, if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. Wow. And lastly, I mean, I could give you 20 prophecies particularly given to Israel, but these are three, the land, the people, and thirdly, the Messiah. See, that from the Jews would come the Savior of the world. John chapter 1, all the way in the New Testament. John chapter 1 and verse 28. Or 29, is it 29? John 1, 29. The next day, John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold, the promised, and I'm putting the word promised in there because he didn't just come out of nowhere to be something that nobody expected. No, he says, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Why would that mean anything to anybody? Because the Lamb, the promised Lamb, Isaiah 53, has come, promised to the Jews, Savior of the world. Now Israel is specifically the descendants of a single man named Jacob. I need you to go to uh, Genesis 35. Genesis 35. See, we're getting a real good workout today, Pastor. Yes, sir. Genesis 35 and verse 10. Genesis 35 and verse 10. Verse 9, And God appeared unto Jacob again when he came out of Paddan Aram, and he blessed him. And God said unto him, Thy name is what? Thy name shall not be called any more Jacob, but what? Israel shall be thy name, and he called his name Israel. Now, I want to take you through some thoughts here. We're dealing with Jacob, whose name, when he finally yielded to God, got changed to Israel. So, we start off with a guy named Abraham. And Abraham has two sons, Isaac and Ishmael. Now, Ishmael was first, and Ishmael was a mistake. If any child was a mistake, it was Ishmael. It wasn't an accident, but it was a mistake. You understand the difference? Now, Ishmael was Abraham and Sarah trying to make God's will come true, which is stupid. So they, they, they almost messed it up. But thankfully, you can't mess up God's will. God is sovereign. And God will still work all things out if we'll just be patient. He may not work it out with you because you're just too stubborn, but he will always work out his will. Amen. So Ishmael and Isaac. Now, of those two, you get a boy named Isaac. Now, Isaac had two sons as well, Esau and Jacob. And um, Esau threw away his birthright. He was the next in line, the firstborn. He passed it on to Jacob. And Esau never gets right with God. But you know the difference between Esau and Jacob? Only a hairbreadth. Uh, Esau and Jacob were both some of the most carnal, wicked sons any parents could ever have. The only difference is, in the end, Jacob got right and Esau never got right. And don't you be like Esau and live your life angry at God, mad at your brother, mad at your parents because they didn't do right, because they didn't treat you right, because they didn't take care of you, because they didn't meet your needs, and your brothers and sisters, well, they're lame. They're, they're, I don't want to be seen around them. Listen, if you live your life like that and die and go to hell, what a stupid way to live. You see, the difference between most people who are going through life bitter and angry at the world is that's life. And some of us finally said, I look unto Christ. And if I'll just stop and surrender and say, Lord, I want a different life. 
I've been trying to fix my own life all my life, and it's never worked out. As a matter of fact, all I've done is mess it up. So I'll trust you. I'll yield to you. I'll stop trying, <laughs> and I'll just believe. That's how you get saved, amen? And the only difference between Esau and Jacob is Jacob surrendered. So we end up with Jacob. And Jacob, he gets, uh, uh, he has 12 children, actually 13 children, 12 are sons. And if you know anything about the history of those sons, the firstborn is Reuben, he messes up. Simeon and Levi, the next two in, se in sequence, they mess up, they murder a whole village. The fourth guy, Judah, uh, almost totally ruins uh, the lineage where the Messiah is going to come. And thank God he got right. And he was humbled and he got right. And God went ahead and worked through Judah to bring the Messiah. Now, when you look at those three people, you've got three names there. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And that is what we have throughout the Bible. We have the phrase, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That's a special phrase. Um, let's see, you're in Genesis. Go to Exodus 2 and verse 24. Exodus 2, 24. Throughout your Bible is that phrase. Now, every Muslim counts his, his descendancy, his lineage, his heritage, all the way back to Abraham, but through who? Through Ishmael. Now, he goes back to Abraham, which is a good place to start if they would only listen to Abraham. But then they go back through. But this is not, God is not the God of Abraham and Ishmael. By the way, when somebody says, well, the Muslims worship the same God as you, Christians and the Jews, that is a lie. I worship the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Look at Exodus chapter 2 and verse 24. And God heard their groanings. And God remembered his covenant. Covenant is a fixed agreement with, who are they? Abraham and with Isaac. And with Jacob. Uh, oh my goodness, let's see. Look at 315. This is really cute. And God said moreover unto Moses, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob hath sent me unto you. This is my what? So you want to know what God's name is? Now he's got several names. Jehovah. All right. Uh, is one of his. But my name forever is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That's one of his names. And it is his name forever. Um, oh my goodness. Uh, let's talk about election. The meaning of the elect. Go to Isaiah chapter 45. Isaiah chapter 45. In verse 4. Again, we looked at that verse, concerning the election, they are the beloved, they are beloved for the fathers, little f, father's sake. So, let's look at uh, the election. Now, normally, <laughs> normally, we think of, when we think of election, we think of going to the polls, and we go and make our choice, and we, we cast our vote. But that's not what the Bible is saying. Election means that the descendants of Jacob are specially chosen to fulfill God's plan. They are the elect. Look at Isaiah 45 and verse 4. For Jacob, my servant's sake, and Israel, my what? My what? Mine elect. Because of that, I have called thee by thy name. I have surnamed thee, though thou hast not known me. So, uh, when he deals with Jacob and Israel, he calls them. He's like, now there are these people, and I'm going to talk about it this month. I'll talk about heresies, about Israel and Jews. One of the things is called replacement theology. How many of you have ever heard of that? Replacement theology. Now, replacement theology is what the Catholics and the Protestants and most of uh, the world believes about Israel, and that is when Jesus died and rose again, God replaced the Jews with the church. He replaced circumcision with baptism. He replaced the Old Testament priests with New Testament priesthood, not believers, but a hierarchy of bishops and archbishops and popes and stuff like this. They believe that God replaced the Jews in charge of Israel with the Catholics in charge. That's why the Crusades were fought, because they believed that the land belonged to the church. And that couldn't be further from the truth. Uh, 
the Jews are elect. They have been specially chosen. Now, let me make a statement here. That does not mean they're saved. you got a people, they call themselves Calvinists. I would die if I wanted to be called after a man's name. I'm not a Calvinist. I'm a Christian. I'm a Bible believer. If there's anybody I want to base my life on, it's on Jesus Christ. I don't even have my own faith. I have Christ's faith. The Bible says, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God. I don't even know what to believe. I just believe what he believed. Amen. So, but Calvinism says that God handpicks and hand chooses individuals to go into his kingdom and he rejects everybody else. Well, that's stupid. That's not even in the Bible. Election is God may handpick and hand choose a person for a purpose, but he never elects anybody for salvation or damnation. You know what he does? He opens a door and he says, whosoever will may come in. Amen. Jesus said, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. It would have been blasphemy. It would have been blasphemy if somebody rewrote that and said, come unto me, all ye that are elect of my father. No. You're burdened. You're tired of sin. You're tired of hitting your head against the wall, digging a hole deeper every day of your life because of sin, because of flesh, because of the brain and things going on inside your heart. You can go to Jesus by choice. Election. Go to Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 9. See, this is rough, Pastor. I know. I'm sorry. I just don't know how to. I'll try and say it more with a smile. Amen. Deuteronomy chapter 9. Election doesn't ever mean that you're saved. doesn't mean you're converted or that you're predestined for heaven. Did you know the Jewish people were actually, when they were selected by God, they were wicked. They were, they'd been like a yo-yo up and down, and most of the time like the yo-yo when I was a kid. It usually was down. It wouldn't come back up. <laughs> I have to wind it back up, and, and it wouldn't come back. That was Israel. Deuteronomy 9.6. Understand, therefore, speaking to Israel, God says this, Understand, therefore, that the Lord thy God giveth thee not this good land to possess it for thy righteousness. This is Deuteronomy. This is Israel looking at the promised land across the Jordan. And God says, I'm not giving thee this land because you're good. For thou art a what kind of people? You're a stiff-necked people. You're a stubborn people. You're a rebellious people. You're a wicked people. Go to Isaiah chapter 1. Isaiah chapter 1. Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 8. I'm sorry, verse 9. Roman, uh, Isaiah 1, 9. Isaiah, this is... Isaiah writing, and he says, Except the Lord of hosts had left unto us a very small remnant of believing Jews, we should have been as who? What happened to Sodom? Fried fricassee. Uh, they, were, they were destroyed. If it weren't for a small remnant, we would have been as Sodom, and we should have been like unto Gomorrah. By the way, you better wake up. Israel is not believing the gospel. The nation of Israel and the people of Israel are some of the most wicked sodomites on the planet. Now you see the pictures of them at the Wailing Wall, and those are Orthodox Jews, but the normal Jew out there is, is, is uh, agnostic, if not uh, angry atheist. They hate God, and they live it. So nobody's ever, ever supposed to decide, well, I want to be like a Jew. No, you're not supposed to be like a Jew. You're supposed to be like Christ. Revelation chapter 11. Revelation chapter 11. Now I'm preaching something that will never be preached in 99.99999% of any other church on this planet. Because it divides. It makes people... Now you'll be up in Dublin and you'll see a little, a little table. You'll see a big table that says, you know, stand with Palestine. Ban Jewish uh, Israel products. You know what? You won't go to the hospital because a third of the products in the hospital are made in Israel and designed by Israeli scientists. So don't sit there and go, well, I don't, I'm not going to buy anything that has Jewish patents in it. You won't own an iPhone then. 
because some of the most discreet and the most incredible parts of that phone are designed and manufactured in Israel. People are hypocrites. That's just a nice word for saying they're stupid. <laughs> Revelation chapter 11, verse 8. And their dead bodies shall lie. They're talking about the two witnesses, Moses and Elijah, and their dead bodies out in the future in the tribulation. Their dead bodies shall lie in the street of the great city. I wonder what city? Which spiritually is called what? And also called Egypt. Where was that city? Where also our Lord was crucified. What's the name of that city? Jerusalem. So in the future, Jerusalem is going to be called, for all practical purposes, God's going to look on it like Sodom and like Egypt was. God predicted that. It simply just means, election, that they are chosen and they have been selected for a great purpose. And they have been. So there are two kinds of Jews. There are physical Jews. What, what we're going to look at, they're called an outward Jew. Now all physical Jews, and even those who've been, uh, even though they've been scattered, they still are the descendants genetically of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It's not a perfect. You get people who say, well, they're not perfectly. They've intermarried. Yes, don't you become a white supremacist on me now who believes in the Aryan race theory that you have to have perfect races and perfect, even Hitler had Jewish blood in him. Uh, these guys, anybody, uh, when they take their, their um, uh, DNA to this Ancestry.com and they get their DNA tested, a lot of them are shocked that they've got strange nationalities in their blood. That does not determine whether you're a Jew. You can be a Jew outwardly, genetically. Uh, there are Jews according to the flesh. You're in Revelation. Go back to the left. Uh, Galatians chapter 2 and verse 15. Galatians 2.15. We who are Jews by what? By nature. By birth. We're not sinners of the Gentiles. By nature. There are those who are Jews according to their flesh, their genetic nature. Do you know Paul was a physical Jew? Uh, 2 Corinthians, go to the left, go to just a few pages, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 22. Paul, speaking of himself, he says, are they Hebrews? Hey, so am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Philippians chapter 3, he goes on, he says, I was circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin. I was a Hebrew of the Hebrews. Touching the law, I was a Pharisee. Concerning zeal, persecuting the church. Touching the righteousness which is in the law, I was blameless. Paul was a good Jew. Didn't mean he was saved. But the truth is here, physical Jews are still elect and specially selected for God's plan. And it is a they are a people that God can never abandon or replace. Uh, go to Romans chapter 11. Back to the left some more. Romans chapter 11, verse 2. Romans 11, 2. Look at verse 1. I say, then hath God cast away his people? That's a good question. Has God thrown them away? God forbid, which is the strongest words in your Bible. It says, no way, Jose. God forbid, for I also am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin. God hath not cast away his people, which he foreknew. What, you know what the scripture saith of Elias, how we make intercession to God against Israel, saying, Lord, they've killed thy prophets, they've done all these wrong. And God says, I still kept some from bowing the knee. So, there are physical Jews, descendants of Abraham, according to their flesh, specially selected for God's plan. But being a physical descendant of Abraham will never get you into God's kingdom. Doesn't work. You know what gets you into God's kingdom? Belief. There's an inward Jew. There's a Jew that, that, that God can see the heart. I'll show you the verse in a second. Um, you know, God looks on the heart. Saul of Tarsus became a believing Jew. God looks on the heart of the Jew and seeks more than outward works, more than sacrifices, more than genetics. He looks for repentance 
and belief in the Jew. Go to Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3. Matthew 3 and verse 9. Think not to say within that yourselves, we have Abraham to our father. We're genetically related to Abraham. For John says, John the Baptist says, I say unto you that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. And that's pretty wild. I mean, rocks don't have chromosomes. And God says, I don't care about your chromosomes or your genetic makeup. When it comes to uh, getting into God's kingdom, being saved, being born again, being converted, your nationality means nothing. Um, Romans chapter 2. Romans chapter 2. In verse 28. 2.28. For he is not a Jew, which is one, how? Okay, visibly, physically. He's not a Jew, which is one outwardly, neither is that circumcision, which is outward in the flesh. That, or those are just outward things, they perish. But he is a Jew, which is one what? And circumcision that is of the heart, in the spirit, and not in the letter, whose praise is not of men, but of God. So you know what? He looks for repentance and believing Jews. That's what he looks for. And that is why God is able to look on the heart of a non-Jew, like us. And he can find righteousness that we got, not through good works, but simply by faith in a Jewish Messiah. Uh, go to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. I'm going to look at two scriptures here. Romans chapter 10, verse 1, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. Was Paul saying the Jews were already saved because they were elect? No. They were elect in that they were first to get the gospel, but they weren't the only ones to get the gospel. They were elect because they were given the word of God. Uh, they were elect because God used them in, in marvelous ways, and he, he teaches the world some great things. Um, but well, I'll hold on to that for next week. But um, here, Paul says, I, I want Israel to be saved. Verse 2, for I bear them record. I can testify that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to how many? To everyone that, amen. So the righteousness that the Jew is trying to attain to, I already attain. I've already hit the end of the track. I've got off the train. No more works. No more self-righteousness. I read, uh, I got off the train. I'm in a new kingdom because Christ brought me to the end and I now have a whole new life. Go to Galatians chapter 3, verse 26. Galatians to the right. Galatians 3, 26. Galatians 3.26. Paul is able to say, For ye are all the children... And don't you, doesn't the liberal, doesn't the majority of what you hear coming out of the mouth of all the ministerettes all over the world, don't you hear them say, Ye are all the children of God? Full stop. You know who came up with that? Hell. Read the rest of it. For you're all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. So Jews are children of Israel, children of God, uh, up and down, messed up. But I got in not because I became a Jew, not because I tried to be good, but by faith. Why is it so hard for your head to finally say, I got to quit trying to impress God like a Jew? I need just to believe. God looks for an inward Jew. Somebody on the inside who's got a circumcised heart, a saved heart, a converted spirit. Now, why should we care? Well, I'll say this. Go to John chapter 4 and verse 22. John 4, 22. 
Pastor, why did you preach this? I'm glad you asked. John chapter 4 and verse 22. I dare anybody here who's ever heard some of these nuts on the YouTube say that God's all through with the Jews, throw them this verse. John 4, 22. Ye worship, speaking to the woman from Samaria, ye worship, you know not what, we Jews know what we worship, for salvation is of the who? Don't you dare go around, we Christians got the answer. No, 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 we found the answer. <laughs> we found the answer in a Jewish book that was lived out perfectly by a Jewish Messiah. The truth is this, if you want to know God, you're going to have to look to the Jews. If judgment begins at the house of God, what shall be the end of the world, Peter says. If you see God coming against Israel, and, and scattering them like he promised, and um, uh, uh, doing all, all of his plans are always through Israel. And if you see that, and you reject that, I got news for you. That's how he's going to treat us. I mean, we, we are just as dense as a brick when it comes to learning from the Old Testament. Don't you just be a New Testament Christian, because that Old Testament was written for our learning which I'll say in a second. Uh, secondly, the Jews are the center point of God's attention, not you. Haven't you heard it enough? It's not about you. Amen? Your problems aren't God's biggest concern like you think they are. God, where are you? Go to Deuteronomy chapter 7 again. Deuteronomy chapter 7 and verse 6. The Jews are the center point of God's attention. As a matter of fact, I'm going to show you the verse where it says they are the apple of his eye. You know where that came from? That came from a day where you didn't have Cadbury's, you didn't have apple tarts, uh, didn't even have fruit scones maybe, I don't know. But when mama brought out that fresh fruit after a meal, and she set that in the middle of the table and there was only one fruit, maybe an apple, and there are six boys around the table, what are they all doing to that apple? Yeah, I want that apple. And, and God says, Israel is my apple. My eyes on that apple. Here's uh, Deuteronomy chapter 7 and verse 6. We read it before, but I'll read it again. But thou art a holy people unto the Lord thy God. The Lord, hath, the Lord thy God hath chosen thee, that's election, to be a special people unto himself, above all people that are upon the face of the earth. Verse 7. The Lord did not set his love upon you, nor choose you, because you are more in number than all the people. I deal with Catholics all day. He says, how many Baptists are there? They're like they're trying to compete, you know, us versus them. Like, how many Baptists are there in Ireland? And you go, how many Catholics are there in Ireland now, man, you know? But anyway, he says, I didn't choose you because you were more in number than all people, for ye were the fewest of all people. But because, why did the Lord, did you love the Jews? Because the Lord loved them. I chose you Jews because the Lord loved you and because he would keep the oath, the swear, the promise which he had sworn unto your fathers, hath the Lord brought you out with a mighty hand and hath redeemed you out of the house of bondmen from the, land of, from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. God's attention is on the Jew. Chapter 14. Chapter 14 in Deuteronomy. 14 and verse 2. Repeating himself, for thou art a holy people unto the Lord thy God. And the Lord hath chosen thee to be a peculiar people unto himself. You know what peculiar means? Out of step. They are out of step. They are weird. Okay? And you know what, by the way, so are we supposed to be. When the world thinks highly of you, Jesus said, woe unto you when all men speak well of you. If you're not weird at work, and I don't mean drooling weird, picking your nose weird, hair spiked weird. I'm talking about especially here colored weird. I'm talking about that you're supposed to be different. Everybody else is coming off on Monday, coming back from a, from a drunkard weekend, and you're not in hangover. And they're looking at you going, he's weird. <laughs> you're going, I'm saying. And they're, they're listening and watching the newest uh, movies. Did you know, I'm just going to brag for a second, I and my kids never watched Harry Potter. I've only seen one of The Simpsons in my entire life. 
Now, I know most of you have seen all of that stuff. That's your business. There are some things I said, I'm not going to watch it. I don't care if people think I'm weird. Uh, God says you're supposed to be to praise to God, not to men. I don't have to impress anybody. If I don't have a television, don't get upset at me. Learn from me. If you, if you want to do your own thing, go right ahead. But if everybody's getting along with you, you're not doing something right. Amen. Peculiar means you're out of step. God said, I redeemed you to be a peculiar people unto himself above all the nations that are upon the earth. Chapter 32. Deuteronomy 32. In verse 9. Deuteronomy 32 in verse 9. And 10. For the Lord's portion is his people. You know what God... You know, a lot of people have, um, you know, a little money set aside. Used to be kept in your mattress, all right? But people, the portion that you sort of save, a lie, save aside for the rainy day, maybe, maybe you know, you're, you've got your little house and, and you're, you're holding on to it so that you can pass it on to the next generation. That's your portion. You know what God owns? You know what God has? Do you know what God says? This is mine. Look at it, verse 32 verse 9, he says, For the Lord's portion is who? And he names him. Jacob is the lot of God's inheritance. Verse 10, he found him in a desert land, and in the waste, howling wilderness. He led him about. God instructed Jacob, Israel, and he kept him as the apple of his eye. Isn't that precious? Do you know if God will do that to some wretched group of people out in the wilderness? He'll keep his eye on you, too, if you're a believer. Amen. Paul warns, I'll deal with it during the rest of the month. God, uh, Paul warns to the, to the Christian Gentile and says, you better fear, be not high-minded, because if God dealt with the Jews that way, he'll deal with you that way, roughly. Third point, because they're to be watched and learned from and not mocked and ignored. Not one of you should ever, if you ever see somebody saying, you know, stand with Palestine, you go up there and say, I stand with Israel. You say, I couldn't do that. Are you serious? You'll say, I stand with Manchester United, which means absolutely nothing in eternity. Oh, I, I, I stand with, I stand with the doll. I stand with, with uh, uh, Fina Gale. I stand. You'll stand with things that matter nothing more than two years. You need to come out of the closet and say, I stand with Israel. Because you know what the world thinks? Nobody does. Uh, Romans chapter 15 and verse 4. Now you stand with them and, and you love them not because they're good. <laughs> Do you know God stands with you and loves you not because you're good? Amen. Romans 15, 4. Now I'm going to say this. And I know there's, uh, I'm looking at Johan over there, South African uh, has a dark history towards the Jews. The Dutch people in general slaughtered the Jews up in Europe. Germans slaughtered. French slaughtered them. Spanish slaughtered them. Driven out of, of, of uh, England. They're not allowed to live anywhere in the Arab lands. Did you know in, in, in Israel, Palestinians are welcome to live in the land of Israel, allowed to work, they're allowed to be dual citizens, but not one single Jew is allowed to live and work in an Arab land. Kind of funny there. Uh, Romans chapter 15, verse 4. For whatsoever things were written afore time, in the Old Testament, were written for our learning, that we, through patience and comfort of those scriptures, might have hope. So whenever you're reading about the Jews, it ought to give you hope. <laughs> Don't spend all your time in the New Testament. As I said, Hyman Appleman said, as goes the Jew, so goes the world. Watch Israel if you want to know what's going to happen in the near future. If you want to know what is going to happen to England, if you want to know what's going to happen to Germany, watch the Jew. The reason why I know there's not any great Germany anymore is because, Germany anymore is because how they treated the Jews. The reason why Spain is no longer a real world power is because of how they treated the Jews for over 500 years during the Dark Ages. Do you know at one time Spain was the greatest nation on earth? Do you know that? But their terrible massacres and persecutions swept across their borders under Spanish brutality against the Jews. They just finished driving out the Muslims, and as soon as they got rid of the Muslims, they drove out the Jews. 
And God said, bye. Because Israel is a warning to Ireland. It's a warning to England, to Russia, to France, to China, to South America, to Egypt, to Asia, to Australia. It is a warning to every nation under heaven. Don't you sit there and look at how, God, how the Jews are, are, are being scattered. He'll scatter this world. There's a great point. Romans chapter 11 says this, because their mess-ups allowed us Gentiles to get saved. Romans chapter 11, back to the left a little bit. Romans chapter 11 and verse 11. Romans chapter 11, verse 11. I say then, have they, the Jews, Israel, have they stumbled that they should fall and not get up? God forbid. But rather through their fall, what has come unto the Gentiles? Salvation has come unto the Gentiles for to provoke the Jews to jealousy. The only reason why I'm really saved is to get a Jew mad enough to want to know why I can claim God and he can't. <laughs> verse 12. Now, if the fall of them, the Jews, be the riches of the world, and the diminishing of them are the riches of the Gentiles, how much more their fullness in the future. For I speak to you Gentiles, and as much as I am the apostle of the Gentiles, I magnify my office. I love working with Gentiles, he says. Verse 14, if by any means I may provoke to emulation them which are my flesh, and might save some of them. For if the casting away of them, the Jews, be the reconciling of the world, what shall the receiving of them be but life from the dead? Israel is going to resurrect as a nation. You know, their mess up turned to my good. <clears throat> Lastly, because everything's about to change. You know, Israel's going to heat up like we've never imagined. I've watched the Middle East go up and down, and uh, 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 I was alive during the Six-Day War. I didn't understand it. I was more clued into um, the, uh, uh, the Vietnam War and everything as a young boy. But all this stuff, listen, Israel's about to heat up. The Antichrist is coming into power in Europe. The Jewish temple is going to be rebuilt, and the tribulation is going to start. You think time's rough now. Before all that, there's going to be a shout. Heard only by born-again believers calling us out before that all hits the world. And you better be ready. You know what John the Baptist said to everybody coming to him? He says, who's, formed, who's, who's warned you to flee from the wrath to come? And that wrath is still coming. And if you're not ready, if you're not saved, if you're not born again, you're doomed. Because Jew or Gentile, Irish or German, French or English, Filipino or Romanian, Jesus said, you must be born again. All that to start off our month about Israel. I hope I talked about you this morning. I hope I made you uncomfortable. Not just in ignorance, but in arrogance. Father, sometimes we want a nice story. We want something that allows us to kind of fit comfortably into and sort of ride to the end and go, that was fun. Sometimes we need to take a good, hard look at the Bible on how we gloss over and ignore what's plainly there. And we'll gladly, because of our heart of hearts, being so wicked ourselves, we will gladly believe some other preacher or some other teacher or somebody else will gladly listen to them slam your people. And we become just as wicked and just as cursed as they are. Because cursed is every one that curses your people. Now, I don't, I don't want to live next to them over there in Israel. I don't, I don't want to be like them. I do want to win them. And I do have respect for them as a people. And I know that you love them. And they are your beloved. And they are your elect. And they are going to be used by you still. So I pray for a balance here today. I pray that we learn that that history is not about the Irish. History is not even about America or England or France or Scotland or Wales. History, in the center of it all, is a little tiny nation that keeps getting scattered and coming back again. History seems to always be anchored to one people, the Jew. You know, it'd be good for us as Bible believers to respect that, learn from it and protect our hearts from ever joining in with the spirit of this age that just hates the Jew.
Because, God, I want to be right with you. I want your blessings on our church. I want your blessings on our families. And we're fools if we think it doesn't matter how we see your people. Because, God, when you made a promise to them, you cannot change. Therefore, I can trust that when you make a promise to me, you will not change either. Lord, the greatest promise you ever gave was that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I'm not going to ever worry about it again. I'm just going to trust you. I'm going to love what you love. Jesus, you looked out on Jerusalem and you cried and you said, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, like a hen over her chicks, I have tried to protect you because you loved them even though they were away from you. God, thank you for loving me when I was away from you. And I didn't want you. And you kept coming at me and kept drawing me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for drawing most everybody in this room. I pray you draw one more, please, and get them to get saved. In Jesus' name, amen.